church. Most people in our culture today have some sort of idea of what church is. They may not attend a church, but most people can give you their understanding of what makes a church a church. Are all churches the same? Do all churches believe the same things? Have the same goals? Or should any of that really matter? I'm Rick Freeman. Welcome to Crosswalk. Today, we're beginning a new series entitled Cross Culture Reconnect. It focuses on exactly who we are as a church here at Cross Culture Church. We're excited about what God is doing and who He is drawing to Himself and how He's using cross culture to be a part of His kingdom building plans. As people come to cross culture, we want to make sure that they understand just exactly who we are as a church and what we see as God's mission for us. That's why we're starting this new series where over the next several weeks, we're going to be hearing Pastor Clay talk about our passion, purpose, and plans as we see God leading us. We're also going to highlight some of our ministries here at Cross Culture and hear from some of the folks that have leadership roles in those ministries. Today, we're going to reconnect with the origins and reasons for our name as a church. Some church names are based on a community where they're located. Some are based on biblical names, and some names are selected because they're catchy. But for cross-culture church, our name means much more than that. We're also going to discuss a couple of areas of focus we've chosen as a church. So let's dive right into part one of Cross-Culture Reconnect. Here's Pastor Clay. I uh, heard about this uh, Sunday school children's... uh, Sunday school teacher who um, asked her children one day, students in a class, and they were talking, you know, about church, about the Bible and that sort of thing. And uh, she asked her students, why was it important to be quiet when you come into big church? You know what big church is here at Cross Culture? We have a worship experience that's designed for for children, we always want uh, parents and everybody to feel f- free to bring their children in here if that's what they want to do. But we also provide a service. Our C2 kids, uh, the folks that work over there and minister over there, do a fantastic job of, uh, of providing lessons and crafts and, and, uh, and worship experiences that are on the level of, of children. But uh, not all churches uh, do that. And, uh, and anyway, she, she asked, why is it so important to be quiet when we go into big church? And one little girl spoke up and she said, because so many people are sleeping. I, I, was, in, uh, I was in a church one time, uh, another uh, pastor at another time, and I was uh, in the auditorium, and uh, it was before uh, big church, before adult church, and a Sunday school teacher had her children, the children's class, she had them in uh, the auditorium, was walking them around and showing them everything and talking to them about church and uh, everything else, and um, at one point she was showing them the offering plate. You know, a lot of churches take up an offering, pass it down the pews and that sort of thing. Nothing wrong with that uh, either. We don't do that here at Cross uh, Culture. We uh, have offering boxes and uh, that sort of thing. There's uh, no set rules on any of that stuff that I know of. And so anyway, she was talking to him about the offering plate, and uh, and so she asked the class, she said, now, you know, why do we take up an offering? And a little girl uh, spoke up and said, to, to give money to the pastor. <laughs> I like that little girl. She is nice. <laughs> but that that first uh, that first story there, because because so many people in the church are sleeping. I wonder if that's true. Uh, not in here, of course. I know none of y'all would ever think of going to sleep. 
during one of my messages, then no doubt that they're so, uh, you know, powerful and, and fascinating and interesting. It, it's almost like uh, uh, attending a, a, an Indiana Jones movie. You know, there's no way you could sleep, right? I mean, it's just so... So I don't mean that, but I mean, is the church sleeping or do people perceive the church? When I say people, I mean people outside of the church, outside of the body of Christ. My mom was telling me the other day, we were talking on the phone and she was telling me how she had heard or read this statistic about how few people are involved in church these days. And I don't know if you know it, but I mean, it's the statistic is growing greater and greater every year. Fewer and few pe- fewer people seem to be engaged uh, or make church of any denomination or, or anything like that. Uh, fewer and fewer people are making it a part of their life. Now, why is that? Has, has the message uh, changed in 2,000 years? Uh, did, did God, you know, take his his grace back and say, oh, this not, doesn't apply anymore. I mean, what, why is it that, that people seem to be falling away from this idea of church? Well, there's lots of studies on that, lots of questions about it, lots of thoughts about it. Um, I can look back on my life, and, and we've been at this about four years now across Culture Church, and I can look back in, in especially the year previous to that, but probably a couple years before that is I was uh, doing some, some doctoral studies and uh, really focusing on the postmodern culture and looking at that culture and, uh, in which we live, what's consi- considered the postmodern culture. And I was studying this idea of, of why do people think that God is irrelevant for their lives? Because I, I can only assume that that's got to at least be part of the reason why they do not choose to pursue this idea of a relationship with God or be engaged in a, a church. Why do they think God is not relevant for their lives? I came to believe, at least in part, that, that some of the reason for that is because the church, which, by the way, is the representative of Christ here on earth, right? The church meaning, all right, not, meaning believers. You guys understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying any denomination. I'm not saying, you know, anything. I'm saying those that profess Christ as their Savior, that apparently there, there is is a perception among the people uh, who are not part of the church that, that God doesn't seem to make any difference in our lives. Does that make sense? God doesn't seem to make any difference in our lives. Uh, they, they, they may know, maybe it's somebody we work with, maybe it's a neighbor that sees you leave out, you know, get dressed or go out, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning or 11 o'clock, whatever time it is, and, and go down to the church. And so they know, and maybe you've even said something about church. Maybe you've even invited them to church um, but perhaps uh, who they see Monday through Saturday oftentimes is different from the person that they, that they think that you are on Sunday or that they think that I am on, on Sunday. So maybe they don't see God making a difference in our lives. I don't know. That could at least be part of the reason why people think God is irrelevant in our lives. You and I know, or if you're, if you're here and, and you're a follower of Jesus, uh, you know that God is not irrelevant to our lives. Is he not? right? He's not, he's not irrelevant. He's very relevant. He's extremely relevant for our lives. And so maybe we need to talk about what, what the church, body of believers, can do or needs to do to show people around, to show our culture that, hey, God is extremely relevant 
for our lives. He is making a difference. Let me, let me show you how he's impacted my life. Let me show you my peace. A lot of y'all talk to me about that. We just finished this series in Philippians and, and contentment and, and all those kind of things. Let me show you how God is impacting my life. Let me show you the difference. Let me tell you the difference that he's made in my life. I think a lot of those thoughts and ideas were running around in my head as God was, was, uh, was leading uh, me and, and others a few years ago to launch this thing that we call cross-culture, cross-culture church. And so we're doing this series called Cross-Culture Reconnect. Now, it's reconnect in the sense that some of you have heard the things we're going to go over the next few weeks. Some of you have heard it before. Some of you may have heard it multiple times before. It's actually been a couple of years since we've really gone over these items in, uh, in great detail as far as uh, a large gathering. Now, I talk about them all the time. Anytime somebody brings it up, I love to talk about this kind of uh, thing and because I believe in this church. I believe in what God can and will do in the church. I believe in what God already has done in this church, but I love to talk about it. And so we're going to spend some time over the next several weeks. I'm going to do some talking. Some of the heads of some of the ministry areas are going to do some talking, and we're going to share some things with you in this series called Cross Culture Reconnect. It's not a typical series in where I might walk through a book of the Bible, okay? A little different this time, but very, very important for our lives, and I, I, there's a lot of places we could start, a lot of things we're going to talk about over the next several weeks, but I really can't think of a better place to, to start than to start with our name. And so we're going to restate our name in this Reconnect series. What is a name of a church? Now, a lot of people or a lot of churches uh, base their name on maybe a certain community that they're in, Right? Such and such community church, right? Y'all with me? Thank you. All right, okay. <laughs> Make sure that y'all aren't cardboard cutouts out there. I'm really talking to somebody. Um, so yeah, some people, the church might be named after a, a community. You still, uh, especially, it seems like more so out in the country, but still you'll come across churches that are named uh, after biblical names, biblical cities or things like that, right? Right? Thank you. I never could understand why churches named themselves uh, Corinth Baptist Church. And that's, I don't know if anybody's got a background in a Corinth Baptist Church, but that was one messed up church. I don't know <laughs> sure why. Of course, they all had their issues, right? All churches, all churches have their issues except for cross-culture church. We're the only perfect church that ever gets everything right. So, no. so um, sometimes it might be after a biblical name. Um, there's really been a lot of trending and fashion kind of gone in the last five, six years, gone into the process of, of names, and people have come up with kind of catchy kind of names for churches. So uh, I get this question uh, pretty often. Well, cross-culture church, what, what, is, what is that all about? What, what does that mean? Some of you know this, but some of you will be hearing this for the first time. We didn't just say, oh, that's, that sound, that's catchy. That, that sounds good. That, that sounds... Modern. <laughs> There's actually purpose behind our name. Now, we, we've got purpose statements and all that stuff we'll talk about in the weeks ahead. But there's actually some intentionality in who we are as a church. As we were prayerfully walking through what this thing God had laid on our hearts to do, what it was going to look like, and even what it was going to be called, this idea of cross-culture church came to mind. And as we began to prayerfully walk through that and think about what it meant I wanted to share that with some of you who are hearing it for the very first time, some of you to be reminded of it today. So let's restate our name. Starts with this. Cross Culture Church will take the message of the cross to our culture. 
that is, that's just part of, I mean, that's just foundational. Cross-culture will take the message of the cross to our culture. Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This is Jesus talking to his disciples shortly before he went back to heaven. And you shall be, most people like to point out it's an imperative continuous tense verb, you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Around here, we say it like this, here, there, and everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. It's here, there, and everywhere. It is a charge of the church to take the message of the cross to the culture in which we are in. Now, that, that might be um, some mission trip to some part of the world. Our Peru team went earlier this year. Or it might, you know, wherever it might be. But it begins, notice Jesus says, in your Jerusalem. It starts here. And it's there. And it's everywhere. I want you all to understand that, that that's part of a bedrock principle of who cross-culture is. We will take the message of the cross to our culture. Now, the way we communicate that message, the way we take that message may vary, okay? As our culture changes, as, as new trends come along, anybody ever heard of a little thing called Facebook? I don't know if y'all have heard about that. It's the latest thing. I don't Tweeting. My daughter-in-law, I tweeted something the other day, and my daughter-in-law happened to be around. She saw, you tweet? I said, oh, yeah, I'm a tweeter from way back. I... <laughs> So, how we communicate the message may, may constantly... As a matter of fact, I would say this. It has to change. The way we communicate the message has to change because our culture is constantly changing. It's constantly in flux. And, and communicating a message has to adapt to how it can be received. Now, listen to me. The message never changes. Can I, give a, can I get a, that's right... <laughs> the message never changes. It's the message of the cross. It's the message of a God who would love us so much that he would rather die than live without us. And so he came down to earth. He took on flesh and bone. He lived a sinless life. He went to a cross and he laid down his life. No man takes my life, Jesus said. I lay it down for you, for me. That's the message that will never change. But how we communicate that message, oh, that, that may change a lot. That's part of who we are as a church. Here's another reason we're called cross-culture church. Cross-culture church will be a cross-segment of our culture. A cross-segment of our culture. A.K.A. we want to look like our culture in, in the people that are participating in it. Does that make sense? Let me read this. Colossians 3.11 says this. A renewal in which... There is no distinction between Greek and Jew. Now listen, back in the day when Paul wrote that to the church in Colossae, there was a huge distinction between Greek and Jew. There was, there was racial bias. There was uh, animosity. There was hard feelings from years of, you know, all this back and forth. There was huge distinction between Greek and Jew. And Paul says, no, no, that's not how it will be in the body of Christ no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, really the same, saying the same thing, just a different way. Barbarian, Scythian, 
slave and free man. But Christ is all and is in all. I, I can tell you, as, as, as this thing was growing in my heart five years or so ago, this was a, this was a big deal to me, that, that by the grace of God, if he would allow us, we would do everything we could, and we, and, and we aren't a perfect person. We don't get it right all the time. But we were going to do everything that we could do to, to make it so that any person could walk in this room regardless of their age, regardless of their skin color, regardless of their nationality, regardless of how much money is in their, their pocket or their 401k, regardless of, of their educational level, regardless of whatever they were, they could walk into this church and they could genuinely, authentically feel like, I belong here. These people are okay with me being here. Well-dressed, not as well-dressed, fashionable, unfashionable, that people can come and be a part of this. Not long ago, I had someone say to me that, that visited the church that they loved the fact, and, and listen, we're, we're, still, we're always working on this, right? There's, there's lots of empty spaces in here. We got lots of seats to fill up just for the first service, much less the second. Did I tell you all we're going to have a second service? You don't got to believe me, but we're going to have a second service. If we do, if we do what we're supposed to do, God's going to do what he's going to do. But, no, never mind. I, that's, another, that's another time. Somebody said to me recently, they said, I love the diversity. And we're not, we're, right? We're not big. We're not huge or anything. But they noticed that there was a diversity among our people in attendance. Black, white, brown, African descent, Asian descent. European descent, whatever, I don't know, whatever, pink polka dotted for all I care. But this idea that people can come in and they can be a part of something regardless of who they are or who they know or who they don't know or the color of their skin or, or anything else like that. And, and, we, and, we, and that's, that's up front. It's part of our name, a cross segment of our culture. And if people come in here, and, and, and by the way, I've run into them, I've encountered them, people that say, oh, mm, yeah. I, mm, I don't, I don't. See ya. Because why, you know, why is there, listen, and this is not, I, I can't take too much time with this. I got, I got to let Pastor Bill get up here in a minute. But this is, you know, why, why is, y'all, oh, oh. Why is church the most segregated place in America on Sunday mornings? I don't, I don't understand that. But, but we're fighting to overcome it. And we're going to keep working at it. And we won't always get it right. And I know we're, you say, well, we're not everybody's cup of tea and all that kind of stuff. But we want anybody to come in here and say, I can, I can plug in there. I can be a part of that body. I can serve side by side with that, with that man, with that woman, with this person, with, the, with their background. I, I can be a part of that. By the way, it includes no, no matter what baggage somebody brings with them, the background they've been through, the struggles that they've had. Maybe it's an addiction problem. Maybe it's uh, who knows what it is. But every one of us are simply sinners saved by grace. As I heard somebody, a preacher say a long time ago, I, I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And so that's, that's all we are. And, and we, need to, we need to work on that, folks. We need to say, yeah, you can come. We'd love for you to come. I give people cards everywhere I go, and um, I... I it doesn't, <laughs> I don't restrict them to just, you know, white people or brown people or whatever. I give them out. And sometimes I can tell, I can kind of get that look because I don't know if y'all noticed, but I'm white. Um, and <laughs> I give out the cards and, and my name's on there. And a lot of times they'll figure out that I'm the pastor. And, uh, and so you can tell sometimes they're like, okay, 
you do know I'm black, right? <laughs> we don't care. We care about Christ, people knowing a relationship with him. So that, that's just going to be part of who we are. We're going to be a cross-segment of our culture, and I pray that it becomes more and more in the days ahead. And then, third, cross-culture church will create a cross-culture. Now, uh, I've said this a little differently in the past. I'm always tweaking things and fooling around with them and all that sort of thing. And so if you remember it a different way, uh, forget that way. <laughs> We're going to create a cross-culture. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean what Jesus meant in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. Then he said to them all, to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what we mean when we say that, we do, that cross-culture church will create a cross-culture. In other words, the culture of the church, the, the vibe of the church, the, 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 uh, the actions of the church, the authenticity of the church will be based on Jesus' very teaching there in Luke 9, 23, and by the way, he says it throughout his gospel letters. He says it over and over again in various ways that this is about clay realizing that this is not about clay and that every other person realizes this is not about me. Y'all okay with that? Because I, I, must, I must share one of my pet peeves with, uh, with you. And I understand, I understand everybody's got their own thing. And I understand we live in an American culture where it's all about, you know, Feed me, Seymour. It's all about this, you know, what can I have? Give me more, you know, this, this, this consumer mentality. Do you all know what I'm talking about? Consumer mentality in America. And people, and I'll hear people say, well, yeah, it just wasn't quite a right fit for us. Or we, we kind of like it over at such and such church. They, they, you know, they do it this way or they preach this way or their music is more like this. And I understand, I understand people have got preferences and all that kind of stuff. But folks, the consumer mentality, when it comes to the church, the consumer mentality has no place in the body of Christ. Because this has to be about me forgetting about myself and asking, how can I serve Christ and the body? How can I be both? That's part of who we are as a church. We desire to develop a cross culture. Now, let me, let me uh, say one, one other thing, and then we're going to jump into the next part, and Pastor Bill's going to come. Uh, most of you know that we have these little packets of iVite cards. They're out there in the information center every week. They're bundled, I think, in groups of probably 10 or something like 10 or 15. I don't know how many's in there. Um, but they're bundled in there, and they're there, uh, shocker, for you to take as you go by every week to pick some up or every two weeks or whenever you go through this many cards and to give out. Now, let me tell you, uh, and I was telling Dave this morning, I, I would venture to say that at least 50%, at least one out of every two, really it's higher than that. I, I'll, bet, I'll bet 80% of the people I give these cards to will say something to me about either the card, the look of the card itself and or the name. They'll say, wow, that's a good, I like that card. It's a nice looking card. Cross-culture church. Now, guess what they have just done? They have afforded the opportunity for you to say, oh, yeah, let me tell you about cross-culture church. Let me tell you what our name means. And, you, and I know that maybe the verses, that's maybe a little longer, but you could, you could handle that, couldn't you? Okay, you don't got to quote the verses. Wouldn't be bad, but you don't, you don't have to quote the verses. But, but if you could say, oh, yeah, let me tell you about the name. 
Cross Culture Church is a, is a church that, that, that we take the message of the cross, what Jesus did for us, we, we take it to the culture. And we really desire to be a, 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 a cross culture or a cross segment of our culture. We want to look uh, like our culture in, in, in terms of ethnicity and backgrounds and, and all that kind of stuff. And we're all about developing a cross culture. We're denying ourselves. It's not about us. It's not about I got to have it my way or I got to do this or I, I didn't want that or I, I didn't, I, I'd rather have it louder or softer, colder or hotter or, or you know, whatever. That, that we're really trying to just put ourselves aside and glorify God. You could do that. In, in 15 seconds, you could go through that when you hand them a card. Can I just encourage you? They're out there every week. We don't, we don't have a great big budget here across culture, and we're, you know, we're behind on budget, all that kind of stuff, but we will print these. As long as y'all hand them out, we will print these from now till Jesus comes. If you'll hand them out, if you'll use them, and just say, listen, we'd love for you to come. If you don't have a church home, we'd love for you to come. It's really pretty painless evangelism, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so that's restating our name. That's who we are. We're cross-culture church. It's not just a name we picked out of thin air, that there's actually substance behind it. That's what we want you to get a hold of. Now, let's dive into the second aspect of it. Let's reintroduce our strategy. What is our strategy at Cross Culture Church? Well, again, I know I can look back. I didn't realize it at the time, but I look back and I can see when I was doing my studies and you know, you know, all that kind of stuff. I can see how God was kind of helping formulate some ideas in my mind and, and that sort of thing. And somewhere along the way, I read a, a book uh, entitled Simple Church. See the cover of it there. Tom Rainer and Eric Geiger were the authors of Simple Church. It was pretty big a few years ago. Now, uh, once you understand, Simple Church wasn't, wasn't the primary influencing factor for the strategy of cross-culture church. First and foremost, I believe it was a biblical strategy that we formulated. But Simple Church, this book, helped to formulate in my mind some ideas behind why we were going to do what we were going to do and exactly how we were going to do that. I don't have time to go through all the intricacies of Simple Church, but the premise is basically this, that for years, the church, Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, whatever, the church has kept people so busy inside the church that they never have time to go out and be the church. Do you understand what I'm saying? Did anybody grow up in an environment where you went to church eight nights a week or something like that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Served on 17 committees. Uh, it's, it's that idea. Rainer and Geiger did a good job of encapsulating this thought that, that the church has become so, uh, such a self-entity, so within itself. And we've got this program and this we can carry our kids to and that. I'm not saying any of those things are bad, but there's so much of that going on that people never actually have time to go out and engage the community in which they live. Their neighborhood, their family members, their coworkers. They're whoever it is to go out and be Christ in their lives. By the way, that's all they're asking for. They're just asking for us to be Christ in their lives, to act Christ-like, for them to see a difference in our lives that would cause them to say, I'm not sure if I believe what you believe, but I, I'm interested in hearing more about it. So it was, it was with that idea uh, that, that the church has become too self-enclosed and there's too many programs and and. and committee meetings and all this stuff going on, that when we found at Cross Culture Church, we said at Cross Culture Church, we're going to focus on 
primarily on two areas. There's always things that want to come in and things sometimes have to deal with, but, but we're pri- primarily going to focus on two areas. And I'm hesitant to call them programs because they're not programs. They're, they're our strategy for being a church. Today, Pastor Bill's coming up right now, and we're going to talk about the first of those, one of those areas, and that is our small group strategy, which we call life groups here at Cross Culture Church. The second one, the second aspect of our strategy, we'll talk about next week. But today, the first aspect is small groups, life groups. Bill, share with folks. Thank you, Pastor Clay. Uh, I missed being with you guys last week. If you didn't know, I was, I was gone. Uh, the set looks great. Uh, my wife and I were uh, at a weekend we do every two years, we go to uh, a, an adoption reunion. Uh, if, if you don't know, my wife and I uh, uh, adopted our little girl. She's not as little anymore as she's, she's 10 now, but at eight months old from China. She was born in China, uh, was available for adoption. And when you, tr- when you adopt from China, usually they send your paperwork together with a in a group of, of families that are re- requesting children. And when those come back, they come back as a group. And when you travel to go get your child, you go as a group. So with a, you end up meeting a group of strangers that you're going to travel with in a foreign country to experience, for some of us, getting our first child. For some, it was an addition to their family. But, you know, it's a pretty special event that's going to happen. And you're doing it with strangers. Uh, so you get to know them and our group really bonded. We were an unusually large group. Usually they don't put 16 families together, but there were some things that happened, uh, as we put in paperwork to kind of rush things together, they had to send a larger group. Uh, you know, we got very close together. So we do these reunions every two, two years, get the girls together and, you know, Whenever I go to these, I always come back with just kind of some fresh new idea or thought about the family of God. You know, I see these girls interact. I see them interacting with their families. There are, you know, all all of them, you know, have families that don't look like them. Uh, Some of them have some brothers and sisters that have also been adopted from China that they connect with. This is uh, just part of them. Uh, Sometimes it's hard to get them all together. You have some that are, uh, some of the families that are in California and Texas. There's quite a few families in Pennsylvania, Virginia. There's four families in in North Carolina. Uh, In fact, one of the girls, uh, the tallest one on the back, actually was a crib mate of Ruthie. Uh, So it's very, it's very special. But what I just wanted to to share with you was this, an idea that I saw in the family of God. that came about. And I really think it really ties well to life groups and why we, life groups is an important part of what we do. We were, we decided after we ate, we were at this park in West, West Virginia. It's Morgantown, West Virginia, a uh, park called Cooper's Rock. Uh, we're up on top of the mountain and there's a trail that goes, loops down. It's the lower loop overlook. So we decided, some of us decided to go on a hike and we, pretty soon, it's like 20 plus kids and you know, about six adults. 
<laughs> and so we go on this hike, and we're go- going down on a trail, and it's fine because it's single file until we get, we see this pile, this rocks, and there's a nook up there at the top of the picture. All of a sudden, the kids are like, ooh, that's interesting. We want to look at that. Well, once they climbed up there and they climbed through it, one girl, she jumped from that rock to, a, to another rock. <laughs> and uh, that was it. That was all we did was explore these rocks. There's, I mean, it, you can't see it from this. There's a, just the, the rock, the, the granite being exposed in the side of the mountain. And there's all these crevices. There's crevices that go down into the ground. There's places to climb up to the top of the rocks. We had kids everywhere. <laughs> we had we had little Chinese girls uh, below us, around us, above us, and we were trying to keep up the best we can. But I don't know if any of the rest of you kind of experience this, where you fig- are reminded how old you are. And mind you, I I just got done uh, a few days earlier riding seventy four miles on a bicycle uh, with my friend Ray. But climbing these rocks, trying to keep up with these girls, I find, I'm like, wow, these joints just don't work quite the same. And so, you know, a lot of times, the girls, they would get away from us. There was a place where, frankly, uh, me and another dad were trying to squeeze through a rock. They're all gone. And we're like, I mean, I, I took my jacket off, and I'm like, I would breathe out real good and push, and then get a breath and stop, because I couldn't move. And so... The girls are everywhere. They're <laughs> and what I saw, though, was this. They looked out for each other in a way. And I've been around a lot of groups. I mean, I've taught children in Sunday school, I've, lots of families around the church. But they just looked out for each other in such a special way. Uh, helping each other, encouraging her. Because the rocks, they recognize in the rocks an opportunity for adventure see how far I can climb, see what I can see, but also recognize some danger in it, right? Uh, Because there's some places that are high, and sometimes it's slippery. So they're looking out for each other, making sure nobody's left behind. And it's not not a political statement at all, so you take it that way. But this is no child left behind at work. It's peers looking out for one another, caring for one another enough to stop and say, give an encouraging word. Hey, you, you can make it. And also, hey, here's my hand or a, a push up or whatever's needed, right? Well, this is my heart as a this life group's pastor. And it has been for a long time. And this today I just wanted to share with you. The whole, the idea to me is kind of, it's no child of God left behind. And that doesn't, just, doesn't mean the ones who already, we, we know they've accepted that and they've received Christ and, and become adopted into the family of God. But the people we don't, we don't, even, we don't know are going to, be, going to be part of the family of God. Uh, this started with, with me a long time ago. Uh, my wife, too, uh, most, uh, we've been together a, a very long time. We dated for five years before we got married. So even in high school, uh, we worked together on this. As a senior in high school, I just felt, you know, I, I, I saw a need for us as students to come together and be that encouragement for one another. Uh, high school's tough trying to, to live as God wants us to live, uh, and many don't bother. And many times there's criticism and you're, there's just a lot of pressure not to s- step out from the crowd. So 
So we organize a small group. Friday nights at my house. I think sometimes we had a we did a movie for some entertainment and afterwards, but we just started a small group. And it was led by uh, we took turns leading it. So it was led by youth. There wasn't it wasn't anything that our church leaders did or anything. A few years later, my wife and I married. Actually, more than a, more than a few years later, it was about four or five years into our marriage. We we both were involved in doing children's ministry. Uh, we saw around us in our church, we saw a lot of, of uh, uh, hurting families, hurting marriages, new, and people who had, some of them hadn't even had kids yet, and uh, we see people get divorced. And it really, it really bothered us. And we'd been through a tough time. We fully understand how tough two into to one is. I, I'm not sure why. I, I'm pretty easy to get along with, but, you know... <laughs> It's, it was tough. And then we kind of came to this realization that, you know, when we serve together, God has made us complementary, even though in a lot of ways we're very different. And those differences would create clashes, but then when we were really serving the Lord, God would use those to complement one another. Uh, y'all, might, uh, y'all might be surprised by this, by this, but I'm a little bit of an introvert. My wife is definitely an extrovert. And is great at meeting new people and bringing them in. So we just felt led to start a Bible study. We thought, well, the relationships we have, we think there's, some, there's a lot of folks around our church and around our life that will come to, you know, it was Sunday school. It was on-campus ministry at that time. We'll come to it. And we don't know if we have anything good for them. But it'll, if, if we can build some relationships and care for them, we can then just share what God's teaching us. It wasn't anything like we think we've got it all figured out or anything like that. It was just, it was just those, those simple ideas, building relationships, providing care, and then sharing what God was teaching with us. It's come along with us. We, we're there with you. And God blessed. And, you know, since then, there's been many groups that we've started like, like that, um, been involved with. There's quite a few people that are part of Cross Culture Church uh, that were part of those first groups that we did was almost 15 years ago. Were engaged and started coming, married and have children and are are serving in the church because of that. And it's a real blessing just to just to have just some role in that. And that's that's been our life journey. And eventually, God started leading me toward. Uh, you know, a vocational ministry, and that's become, hey, how do I, what, what I've been doing, how do I help transfer that to other, to other people and, and empower leaders and just pr- promote it? So I, I'm just sharing with you more of a, a kind of a personal st- this morning because I just want you to understand this is something that's this has been a big part of my life for, for a long time. It's not just something because I got a job, so I promote it. I'm Really, I just believe so much in it. it. It just goes directly to the to the whole concept, the family, the family of God, and the way those girls looked at after one another. They recognized that they have a common heritage. You know, one of the girls, she almost uh, we were going out to the playground, uh, and I was taking taking the girls out to the playground, and uh, she's like, she's very aware. You know, they all have very different personalities. Kind of an extroverted leader kid, and but little little thing. But 
you know, she expressed herself. And she's gone on the playground. She's like, oh, man, all these people, they, look at the way they're looking at us. They don't know what to think of all these Chinese girls. And she almost like, she was like kind of bullied, bullied up by it. Like, you know, she's like part of a gang or something, you know. Oh, like she scared people. So it was fun to, fun to see. But there should be some set, you know, to understand that we are part of this community centered around Jesus that is eternal. Leesville community, you know, the, the lodge down the road that you might be a part of, whatever, it, you, know, the, you know, if it's a sports community, whatever it is. Even Jesus said in heaven, we're not married. So community, the family of God is the community that is eternal. And so we should invest in that now. Um, right now, I just want to ask, um, I didn't tell her when it was going to come, but if Marilyn Varner would co- come and share with us. Uh, she's newer. She's, she came to our life groups in the last year, and so I thought her perspective would be, be a, uh, you, some of you might be able to relate to it more, but I just want her to come and share her life group experience uh, so that you guys can hear, hear from someone else. Um, I belong to the Armstrong's Life Group. It's in Woodlawn, just a little farther up Leesville Road. And I can tell you a little bit about our group. When I first started going to church, I'd been to Sunday school classes, and that's what I was used to. But life group is something a little different. And here we meet in our life groups. Some people meet every week. Our group happens to meet every other week. And that works out good for me because I have a terrible work schedule. I'm a night shift person. I sleep weird hours. For me, it worked out perfect. But every life group's different, and you'll find one that works for you. Um, What I like about our life group is that, to me, it's like having a second family. And I'm not from North Carolina, and I don't have any family here except for my daughter and granddaughter. And they don't even live in town anymore. So for me, this is a way of not just learning about Jesus and what God wants to teach us, but our life group happens to also study. Um, right now, what we're doing is a video series, and your life group and another group may be doing something else. But for us, we have some fellowship. We watch our video series and we discuss it and talk about how it pertains to our everyday life. We also take prayer requests, talk about what we need to talk about in our life that maybe we need help with and maybe just prayer. Sometimes it's something we can do for each other physically or give them a little assistance, but mostly I can tell you for me a few weeks ago, most of you know I had a major surgery and I'm doing fine now, but there wasn't really anything anybody can do for me other than what was the most important that means more to me than anything was just the prayers and I could feel that and I healed very fast and I'm doing fine now. But the set, having a second family here just at Cross Culture in your life group is something that I can't explain what that means. But you'll see that for yourself. Visit another life group. See what you can see in that that might pertain to you. You might meet new people, might find that you want to meet people in other groups. But for me, like I said, having another family in Cross Culture has really helped me just to find what I want to learn more. Um, I really wasn't someone who was raised in church the way most of the people were. I didn't have a lot of background in it, but I feel like it keeps me on track. It helps me get through the week. I've learned so much from everybody, and just the support system has been wonderful. So if you can find a life group that you can fit in, 
Uh, our group's pretty small, so you're invited to come visit us this week. Here's our card right here. But we'd like to see all of you at least link up to some life group or visit us and see what you think. Thank you, Marilyn. Uh, don't have uh, a lot more time because I want a chance for you guys, uh, if you're looking for a life group, uh, to have, have a little bit of time to talk to some people and find out about some of the activities that life groups are doing. So uh, Tyler, we'll skip the, the chemistry of life groups slide. And the guys that I asked uh, would have the schedules, would you go ahead and uh, pass them, them out? They're going to come down the road. I want you to take, even if you're in a life group, I want you to take... Uh, a schedule, at least one per family, uh, you know, couples that want to share or not, we have plenty of them, but I, I want you to just be familiar kind of what, what we, we have to offer, uh, even if you already have one. And also, just to, you can see, what you see represents some, represents some group, growth. The number of groups we have on, on there, I think I cut it 15, I'm not a great mathematician, but it's the most we've ever had. Uh, in, since we started at Cross Culture. Uh, so, you know, clap for that. But we, and we have, we have room. We have a couple, there's some new groups on there. Uh, Marilyn mentioned we have, you know, just we've had, we have some changes and stuff over the summer that have made more room in each of our life groups. So go check one out. Uh, they're showing on the slides o- over here. Uh, just some of the inv- invitation covers for some of the activities that are happening. Life Group Open House, uh, if this is the first time you've, you've come, you haven't heard about it, the quick way to, to explain it is that we are, are, all of our groups are meeting this week. Marilyn mentioned that the, they rotate sometimes, but all of them are going to meet this week at their regular time. They have planned a special social event, so to make it very easy for just to come meet and greet. There's no pressure of being a uh, you know, uh, some people I th- sometimes seem a little scared of uh, if I join them in for a Bible study, then somebody's going to ask me a question, and, uh, or they're going to ask me to pray, stuff like that. You don't have to worry about it. First off, we don't normally we don't put people on the on the spot. Uh, we let people all volunteer and stuff like that. But here you go, just a fun time. Just come out, check us out. That's all we want to do is we want a chance to meet you, connect with you. Uh, you know, I love, you know, when Marilyn talks about uh, getting connected and, and it's like a second family, that's, what's, that's what I love about life groups is this connection. That you make. Whether you know it or not, or I, I want to admit it, or you want to admit it, we need each other. God designed us as the body of Christ. We need each other. We need Christ, but many times the way he is going to meet your needs is, is going to be through another believer. Thanks, Pastor. Well, what do you think? Pastor Clay made quite a challenging statement today when he said that we keep people so busy inside the church that they never have time to go out and be the church. Do you agree with that statement? Whether you do or don't, it's certainly something to think about. Today you heard our life group pastor, Bill Hopkins, explain the importance of small groups at Cross Culture. We all need community in our lives, and at Cross Culture, we're intentional about trying to plug people into the community. If you'd like to know more about our life groups, we'd love to give you some more information on them, and you can contact us at crossculturelife.org. We're glad you spent some time with us for this week's Crosswalk. 
Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh. But instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone and everyone who is looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church. Taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.